the first rule of Fight Club. Talk about Fight Club. This is the Fight Club podcast with Brad Lewis and Stephen Foote. Kia Fight fans, welcome to the Fight Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Lewis. Joining me in just a sec is Stephen Foote. Remember, guys, you can like and subscribe to this particular podcast at iTunes or wherever you find your podcast apps, wherever you download them, uh, be it Omni or SoundCloud, wherever it is. We are there. Guarantee it. Uh, Fight Club Podcast. Also, check us out, newshub.co.nz forward slash podcast or slash podcast. Click on the Fight Club link. Now, take two footy because what our fans and our audience don't know is that <laughs> 24 hours ago, we recorded this particular podcast only for our equipment to dramatically collapse on us and not and record static. Apart from your voice, your voice was coming through perfectly. Your mic was like Conor McGregor. I, down I mean, it and was. Out and it had a broken. One. It was broken. It was broken in half, and it was talking trash. Let me tell you. Uh, so, uh, but R- take robbed, two. Robbed of 40 minutes of podcast gold. It was. Can we? Um, can we read? Can the sequel be better than the original? Can mm. we live up to Back to the Future? It's and very Indiana rare, Jones? isn't it? It is. You forgot Terminator 2. Uh, Terminator 2, the, the greatest sequel in the history of movies. We will find out over the course of the next 30 minutes, of course, uh, UFC 264 in the books, Conor McGregor uh, dropping a uh, basically a doctor stoppage TKO loss to Dustin Poirier. We'll look at that. Um, also, Joseph Parker confirming to News Hub on Tuesday that he is COVID-19 free, um, despite reports suggesting that he had COVID. Um, he, of course, was at the Conor McGregor fight on Sunday, which was kind of an indication that he didn't have coronavirus. <laughs> and a couple of Did other he have a cool- mask on? No. Hmm. And a couple of other cool little tidbits coming out of UFC 264. But let's start with the biggest talking point. Dustin Poirier having his hand raised for the second time uh, in a matter of months against Conor McGregor. Uh, what, back in January, he beat him by knockout. This time in the second round, he mauled Conor McGregor for a majority of the first round. It was 10-8 on all three judges' scorecards. Um, the fight coming to an end when Conor McGregor threw out a, a teep kick uh, with 10 seconds to go in the first rounds, And uh, unbeknownst to him, snapped his, well, at least fractured, I guess, or broke the bone in his uh, leg on Dustin Poirier's elbow and then when he threw that right or left hand I think was it a right hand or left hand doesn't really matter semantics um, of course he uh, collapsed uh, collapsed under his own weight was pounded on for a matter Both of seconds Both of them missed I think yeah, that's kind did. of a funny uh, was pounded for a ma- um, by, by Poirier for a couple of seconds um, and then the round ended and then you know Herb Dean noticed the problem Connor couldn't get up commentators noticed it and as they say the fight was over so before we get into all the stuff that has come out since that and the byplay between Connor and Dustin what did you make of the fight, Footy? Are we talking the fight itself here? Let's, just gonna, let's, let's talk let's about, about the fight. Connor as a whole. The fight itself, um, you know, I was really pleased to see Connor come back out really aggressively yeah. with the quick kick base, the kick heavy, kick focused offense, whatever you want to call it. That's where his bread and butter at. That that's where I think he's the best when he's the best. Just exploding out of the gates. You know, throwing everything he can at his opponent and just keeping his opponent guessing from the jump. Mm. Um, but just the same kind of narrative started to emerge as soon as he tasted that little bit of adversity there. As soon as Dustin was able to close that gap a little bit, make him feel his pressure, um, sort of take advantage of that physical, uh, of his physicality. He is a kind of a bigger guy than, than Connor. Um, and obviously the fatal mistake was made when up against the cage, uh, instead of trying to uh, whizzer away and get back to his feet, uh, Connor inexplicably attempts a guillotine on one of the greatest uh, <laughs> practitioners of the guillotine um, within the UFC. And obviously, Dustin was pretty quick to escape that, knew exactly what he was doing, was no panic whatsoever, never really looked like it was in. And, you know, subsequently, 
sat there and became a victim of pounds and pounds of really heavy elbows, sliced, sliced them up at the bottom um, and kind of saved, almost saved by the bell there. Well, saved by the leg break, I guess you could almost say, <laughs> <laughs> um, if that's not going a bit too far. But, you know, you, you can you can try, people will say that, hey, Connor didn't lose that fight. It was because <laughs> of the leg break. Um, absolutely not. That's a complete TKO win for Dustin Poirier. He Agreed. deserves that. Um, and, you know, the rest of what happened, you know, I guess we'll get to that later. But, you know, how did how did you find the fight? Dustin Poirier was on his way to a dominant victory over yeah. Conor McGregor. Uh, it was going to be more of the same. I, I know in the aftermath that Coach John Kevin has come out and said, look, we were expecting the round to actually go like that. We expected Conor to get a takedown and we, we thought we would be on our backs. And I felt that, you know, Conor was in a good place mentally and physically and we would have come out strong. Sure, bro, whatever. Um, and I know Conor has said the same thing. Dustin Poirier looked amazing. He looked. Um, look, he he withstood that ninety second barrage from Connor. He, you know, where he he looked a little bit confused. But once he worked out what Connor was offering, which was you know basically every strike in the book, Connor got his confidence. I think he felt that first left hand. He was like, okay, bit buzz, but you know I'm still standing. Now it's yeah. time to go to work. And he threw a beautiful combination that rocked Connor. Which is clear to me because Connor went for the clinch at that point, and we've seen in the past when Connor gets hurt, even against Khabib, he goes for the clinch. You know, like because um, that's his fault sort yeah. of action when it's he's like in trouble. It's like a tick, isn't it? A bad tick. A hundred percent. So, uh, you know, Poirier was dominant. I thought he looked fantastic, as I said, and, you know, he is now the rightful contender for the title. And obviously there was a lot of back and forth um, at the end of the fight with Connor doing the old billion-dollar strut. Uh, sorry, uh, with Poirier doing the billion-dollar strut, Connor talking trash from his ass on the canvas. Um, one thing... I, I was uncomfortable with it at the time, and certainly John Kavanaugh has spoken about this since the fight, was that I don't know if it was the wisest decision by the UFC and Joe Rogan to interview Conor McGregor. The guy had just had a broken leg, like what, um, mm. three minutes beforehand. Adrenaline running through his veins. Um, a lot of verbiage came out of his mouth. Um, some <laughs> stuff, some That's kind. Some stuff that was directed towards um, Dustin Poirier's wife, which had been in the build-up to the fight. I did see a, an image that Ben Askren's posted on his Twitter, which is um, Dustin Poirier's wife flipping Connor off as she's yeah, <laughs> leaving the hilarious. cage, which is awesome. Um, so so that, that's by the by. Sure, maybe that was a mistake by the UFC. But regardless, Conor McGregor hasn't handled himself particularly well in the 48 hours after the fight. Posted something on Instagram on Tuesday, which is, yo, I'll be back. You enjoy your um, hollow victory. Um, I'm going to whip your ass when mm. I'm ready to go maybe that happens maybe it doesn't but what does this do to Conor McGregor's legacy I mean legacy wise who knows he's I mean, still, that, a, two, that's a, bigger he's still a two division thing. champ he's still a brand unto himself a brand bigger than USC he, he'll do as he wants but there's no doubt that the entire week and you know was it was it was damaging to to Connor's reputation, and you know where was that silver tongued Irishman with the the really crafty, clever taunts? You know he devolved into crass. this kind of yeah, exactly crass, um, even more arrogant than usual. But but without the charm that he's had in previous you know fights that have endeared him to so many fans, where he's mm. kind of almost got away with so much smack talk because he's so clever with it. Like so the who the, the f is that guy moment? That was where Connor like at his that. best. But yeah. when you're reaching for when you're going clearly blow the belt with things like you know. Um, wives and children and what have you I mean it's just going to open you up to all sorts of criticism and you know that moment where he's sitting in the cage there dejected it was just the culmination of what was this a really poor week for him you know I wouldn't say it was a fall from grace but it's 
definitely the start. He's teetering there, you know. He's teetering on the precipice of a fall from grace, mm-hmm. um, especially with the stuff he was saying. After, you know, there's there's some more footage which has emerged where you can actually see him holding it, you know, with the finger to the head, apparently threatening his wife and children. I think he called her, a, you know, a WH, O-R-E, you know, yeah. um, gardening tool, um, what have you type thing. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, it's not going to do his – Obviously, Connor's Connor. He's he's going to have his legions of loyal, dedicated mm-hmm. fans, but it's not going to do much for you know those guys who are on the fence and you know the, the USC as a whole. And it's definitely going to switch a lot of people off who might have been, you know, previously Connor fanboys, I uh-huh. guess you could say. And I mean, from your position as someone who has always been a big Connor supporter, big Connor advocate, I mean, how how did you react to this? I have been accused that? of being on his nuts at times, one hundred percent by yourself, I might add. Uh, uh, look, I um, I enjoyed the fight. Yeah. I enjoyed what Connor brought. He uh, he did show me something from the bottom. He didn't like turtle. He didn't give up. He was, you know, there were through a few dirty tactics he was throwing in there in terms of getting under the gloves as Boyer. He threw a beautiful up kick. He was throwing some elbows from the bottom. It didn't look to me like he his soul was breaking. Like that could have happened later on the mm. fight. What about but about his deme- demeanor in general? Hundred percent though. Demeanor so in like general that, 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 I, 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 I am buttering. Okay. I am. Okay. I am I'm sugarcoating a turd and I'm about to eat it, <laughs> right. all right? So, uh, yeah, so that part I enjoyed. I did not enjoy his Stephen A. Smith interview in the lead-up to the fight, and that worried me, right? Uh, his mindset about talking about how he's a 19-1 and mixed martial artist because he only counts knockouts, he doesn't count decisions or submissions. Mm. Um, dude, it's mixed martial arts. Like, And the stuff where he's talking about takedowns in the lead-up to the fight where I bet you shoot within, you know, stand up and bang with me, be a real man. Look, Connor, if that's how you want to roll in this business, fight Logan or Jake Paul, fight Manny Pacquiao, fight Floyd Mayweather again. Fight with gloves on, you know, not 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 the uh, six ounce gloves we use in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I thought I thought some of the stuff he said was disgusting in the pre-fight press conference. Throwing a kick out at Dustin Poirier in the in the um, face-off um, um, after that, then the stuff at the weigh-ins when he said, um, "I'm going to murder that man tomorrow night." Um, you know, mm. I, I guarantee it that you're going to pay. Um, I just I think. He was, and Dustin Poirier alluded to it. And man, was he like a, a measure of calmness throughout the whole entire week and such self confidence in his own ability as a mixed martial artist now and truly believes that he is the best on the planet. And I believe he is too in the lightweight division. I think Connor was trying to talk himself into the old Connor McGregor, the Connor McGregor that starts Jose Aldo, the Connor McGregor that destroyed Chad Mendes, that embarrassed Eddie Alvarez. You now, this guy had, that beat Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway on his way to becoming the biggest superstar in the history of the sport uh, that that Conor McGregor is gone he is still the biggest superstar in the UFC he's the biggest pay-per-view earner and there are still fights out there for him the the Nate Diaz fight the Rafael de Sanos fight uh, the, the Poirier rematch maybe Tony Ferguson but I don't think I think the days of Conor being talked about as a championship contender Unless he gets a free ha- a free pass, a free kick from the UFC, and um, fights Dustin Poirier after he becomes champion, I don't think he's ever going to fight for a title again. Yeah, yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from there, and I wouldn't I wouldn't um, argue with that too much, to be honest. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be a fight there for Conor McGregor type, but whether he has the wherewithal really now, I mean, he's got a long road back from surgery now. How much does he really want it? And going back to what you're saying about last week, I, I kind of like that he came back with a bit of aggression. You know, people want to see that from Conor. That's part of 
of his charm. That's why people are so endeared to him. But, you know, coming off the second fight when there was so buddy-buddy, mm. uh, there was so much, you know, goodwill between the both of them with it the charities, etc. Obviously, that didn't come out. Exactly. Do it made know, it seem so much more manufactured you know when all of a sudden he's like? calling for his family. It seemed like to me, dating back to 1989, and uh, flashback with Brad, and the mega powers broke up. Right <laughs> when when Hulk Santana? Hogan, when Hulk Hogan, and well, that was Strike Force, that oh, was Santana oh, and Mattel, okay, but around right, the same yeah. time, it was the same WrestleMania actually. And Hogan and Macho Man, you know, had been buddy buddy for a whole year, and Hogan had helped Macho win the title, and you know, and then Elizabeth <laughs> got in the way, and you got lust in your eyes, Hulkster lust in your eyes, yeah. And um, you know, like that's what it was like. Like it was like a pro wrestling storyline that you know they were mm. foes, and then they were friends, and then they had a battle. And you know the good guy prevailed, and and the bad guy was much respect, yeah. and then they were foes again. Like it, and it, very wrestling in the fact that it was completely ingenuous, yeah. disingenuous, the 100%. entire thing, like the rivalry itself. And I mean, all that came to a head. You can find the balance there, right? But all that came to the head with the post fight interview, where you know a lot of people who kind of are turned off by Connor's antics, you know, they, they can at least appreciate that he is humble enough to acknowledge his opponents, you know, win or lose. He's always been very gracious post fight. And for him to go in like he did afterwards, you know, completely on this, you know, even just ratcheting up the disrespect, you know, with the stuff about the, the parents and, you know, immediately sort of um, imploring the referee to say, Hey, it's a doctor stoppage, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I mean, it just didn't sit well with me. I know it didn't sit well with a whole lot of others. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say, yeah, as I said, it was not, it's not a fall from grace yet, but it's definitely tarnished um, his reputation a little bit. Whether or not that really matters to he, him or the UFC, that's yet to be seen. Look, he fights again, and arguably next, it's it's Nate Diaz. I think that's the fight that makes the most sense. And then Absolutely. potentially, if he wins that fight, maybe he fights Dustin Poirier for the title. I don't know. He's got to see was, his hand raised. Of course, the, the UFC has beat. to see his hand raised yeah. again because Before, there's no way he's going to go four straight. Because yet. I firmly believe that Dustin Poirier wins the UFC lightweight bout in his next fight against Charles Oliveira. Look, Charles Oliveira, fantastic uh, fighter on an eight-fight win streak, but um, Poirier is the man right now. So. On Dustin yeah, let's Poirier. talk about that. Let's Let, talk about let's the talk diamonds. About Dustin let's talk about his legacy footy because this is a man who lost three fights in the featherweight division, uh, was knocked out by Conor McGregor, went up to lightweight and got knocked out by Michael Johnson. Since that moment, Dustin Poirier is 13-1. and one. His only loss in the last five years has been against the greatest lightweight to ever grace this planet in Khabib Nurmagomedov, who everybody has lost to. He's dominated Max Holloway. He knocked out Eddie Alvarez. He knocked out Justin Gaethje. He's knocked Connor out once and then beaten him by TKO. He's run through that entire division, beaten Max Holloway twice. Dustin Poirier has beaten Max Holloway once at featherweight, once at lightweight. This is arguably the second greatest lightweight in the history of the UFC. You know, there's been some great ones. BJ Penn, you know, like there's been some great lightweights. Um, you know, Jens Povel was great back in the day. You know, there, there have been some great lightweight champions. But... You know, Frankie Edgar. But Dustin Poirier is the man right now. And uh, if he defeats Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title, I think there's an argument that he's the pound-for-pound pound best fighter on the planet. Well, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of the reason why we haven't had heard Dustin's name, you know, discussed in these pound-for-pound pound conversations is the fact that he's kind of been in Khabib's shadow for so long. Now Khabib's gone. Obviously, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest of all time. Mm. He stepped out of that shadow now, and people are really starting to see his accomplishments for, for what they are. And what they are, it's impre so 
Like he's a generational talent. There's no doubt about it. And he's got so much left in him, which is a scary thing as well. But I, I can see him really stamping a legacy now at lightweight, kind of running running the gamut there almost uh, for as long as he, as he really wants to. Um, the, the guy, yeah, he's everything you want in a martial artist. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, bounced back from early adversity in his career. He's, he admitted he didn't really have that mental um, frame of mind that you really needed um, to compete in, the, in that sort of in that title stage um, which we saw in the first fight against Connor but since then I mean the guy is just like made of granite ment- mentally and physically um, Absolutely. You just he's got the, the physical the and mental tools just perfect elite level um, with both of them and man I mean uh, if there's someone out there who can beat him at lightweight um, um, step on up because I don't think there's anyone on the roster at the moment that could really trouble a guy like that he's just He's just exceptional wherever he needs to be, including up top, which is arguably you know sixty percent of the battle when you get to that to yeah. that level. And if you look at how good Dustin Poirier has been for the last four years and how easily Khabib ran through him, it tells you a little something about Khabib, doesn't it? Now mm. on that, right? And I'm glad that we're re-recording this because I wanted to ask you this question yesterday and it slipped my mind. Mm. Um, so look, look, this is a little bit of. Um, uh, it's, this is not meant to disrespect Dustin Poirier in any way and um, one of my favourite fighters of all time is Daniel Cormier but there's always this asterisk next to his name because he never beat John Jones John Jones was off doing stupid shit um, if Poirier ascends to the top of the lightweight division will there be an asterisk next to his name because Khabib retired at 29? Uh, no absolutely not no no, I don't no. believe so either Like uh, because Khabib is like George St. Pierre now he's retired <laughs> yeah. you know you don't you don't put an asterisk next to Kamaru Usman's name because he hasn't beaten George St. Pierre I mean I still think Khabib will, will, will be go down unequivocally as the number one lightweight ever yeah I, th- I don't know if there's man I don't know how much Dustin would have to do to, to, to take nothing, that turn I don't, I don't think he yeah. could defend you know, about 10 yeah, times maybe absolutely <laughs> no one no, he's not going to be a real off a stretch of dominance like that but undoubtedly he he's on the Mount Rushmore of lightweights yeah. and I think he will be the second you know the second what do you say? In the Pantheon, yeah. I guess if you say in the rankings, in the all-time great lightweight listings, um, I see him getting there. He's, 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 he's got that trajectory as it stands. And he's a perfect example of why mixed martial arts records don't matter. Israel Desanya is a massive proponent of this. He says that fanboys look at records and they write you off. Like you see Robbie Lawler's record, he's like 28 and 11 and people are like, no, he must be crap. Carlos Condit fought on the weekend. Great fight. Um, uh, a really competitive fight that he had um, with Max Griffin. He's um, I think he's 35 and 13 or something. And Poirier's lost five fights in his career. He's lost to, you know, Michael Johnson, Conor McGregor um, he, he's lost fights Khabib um, but he's a perfect example that you know like a, a weight class change or whatever you can reinvent yourself in this sport you know um, we've seen this with other fighters before My, Masvidal has done it reinvented himself uh, and, and Poirier has figured out his game later on in his career he's now mentally one of the strongest in, in the UFC and, and he's at a point now where he is now in his prime um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a perfect example of MMA. You take losses, these things happen, you learn from them and you move on. That's why you fight so many, you, you compare it to boxing, you know, you, you're not cans. fighting as, as, as often, you're fighting cans, you're building that record. One loss is such a huge black mark on your resume. With these guys in MMA are, are taking fight, fighting three or four times a year. Mm. You lose, you, you take the lesson from that, you move on, you learn about yourself as a fighter and as a person, and then you get better. And that's why that's what's happening. And that's why, in a lot of people's minds, and that's why a lot of fight uh, MMA is is 
where the more intrigue lies because they can make these fights happen um, because there aren't these guys out there protecting records and what have you, which is kind of the bane of boxing at the moment, which we've discussed in the past. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't look at records like that. Dustin Poirier, five losses, whatever. He wouldn't be the guy that he is now without those losses. And fights Charles Oliveira for the UFC lightweight title later in the year. So juicy. Uh, Absolutely. Fantastic fight. Uh, Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson was a co-main event. I uh, I had I had Wonderboy winning this fight uh, going into it, but Gilbert Burns completely shut him out. Uh, sort of worked out that you need to uh, let Stephen Thompson come to you and then figure him out from there, uh, much like Tyrone Woodley did. Great game plan that his team had put together uh, and a, a near-flawless performance from Gilbert. Had a couple of shaky moments in the third round um, and you know Stephen Thompson won a round on two of the judges' scorecards. Um, I scored the fight 3-0 to, to Burns, but the first round could have gone either way and the third round was trending towards Stephen Thompson, but the, the key in that fight was the Gilbert Burns takedown and once he gets you to the ground, tough guy to beat and sort of solidifies himself now again as as a top contender and potentially a marquee fight with Mars Vidal or a Leon Edwards awaits for him next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't pretty, man, but, you know, Thompson's a tricky guy. you got to do what you have to do to, to beat a guy like that. And, yeah, they had a really good game plan, um, sort of established a threat of the takedown early. Thompson was wary of it, clearly, for the next two rounds. And... You know, he was in a bit of trouble at times. I think Gilbert, you know, there's an argument there they lost that first round. I think he came on late and sort of stole that second round, but the third was all Gilbert, Gilbert, I thought. Um, and it was a very Jorinho-like performance, just really gritty, everything we've come to expect from the Brazilian. Um, and yeah, I really like the idea of that of that uh, Masvidal matchup. Makes sense, mm. right? Mm. Makes a hunt, ma- makes, both, makes perfect exactly sense. Exactly where both of them are at the moment, right? Uh, the star of the night for me though, Footy, there was actually two. One of them was the green-haired zombie that we'll get to shortly. Uh, but Tai Tuivasa, the king of the shoey, uh, putting to sleep Greg Hardy, the first person to knock him out cold after I did lose to Martin Tabura in his last fight, but that was more of ex- exhaustion more than anything else. But look, uh, an interesting fight. Um, Hardy rocked Ty with a with a pretty neat punch and went in for the kill and walked into some of that um, you know Polynesian power <laughs> and uh, and went to sleep. And I think Ty Tuivasa on on a Conor McGregor headline card has probably made himself no joke here. Maybe a million new fans off the back of that worldwide after that performance yeah to do that on the Conor McGregor card as you said yeah and it's been it's part of like a real little resurgence for Ty I think he was on the cusp of almost being cut a Lost couple three of fights in a row. ago yep. there you go three losses now in a row now he's won three in a row and he's a cult hero there's yeah. no denying it people love this guy it doesn't matter don't Let's not worry about rankings and all and what have you. He'll tell you himself, and as he did in the post fight interview, he doesn't care too much for that stuff. He just wants to bang and put on shows for the crowd. Yeah. He wants to walk out to the Spice Girls. He wants to do so shows good. on the that way out. I mean, what? How can you not love this guy? And yeah, did you see in the in the pre fight where they did their little tail of the tape graphic? Yeah, he, he Ty's sitting there holding the shoey. <laughs> like how 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 many people did he have to talk into letting him do that? It was like, magnificent. What a character! Like, what an absolute character! Great character. Exactly what. The heavyweight division needs. Um, he's not winning any belts anytime soon, but man, I mean, when you're knocking out a guy who's been so polarizing mm. as Greg Hardy has um, in that sort of fashion, I mean, he's going to endear himself to a lot more fans just by the fact that he's laid out Greg Hardy. You need guys like that, though, right? Like Clay, Clay Guida was never going to win a belt, right? Yeah. Wasn't was was like a gatekeeper of the lightweight division for many years. 
but he was entertaining as hell. Had great fights, was a character, and the crowd loved him. Not Ty- everyone has to be the best. No, man. And Taito Avasa, look, I'm sure that he could put up a good fight against Francis Ngannou or whoever it is, but uh, um, but you know, th- as he said, I don't give an f. I don't. I want a ranked <laughs> opponent, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't care. He'll move on and fight whoever. What I do really like is that he's he's gone away to make his game better. He spent a lot of time at AKA training Looking wrestling trim. with Looking those so beasts trim. like Cain Velasquez, John Fitz, yeah. Josh Koscheck, Daniel Cormier. Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, Markachev, all those guys there, the greatest wrestlers in MMA train at the American Kickboxing Academy. And, um, you know, working on his grappling with them can only benefit him moving forward when he fights a guy like Curtis Blades, you know, a guy that, or, or a Volkov, like guys that that add a bit of grappling to their game. Um, but as you said, the, the thing for Ty now is that he's made a name for himself. Um, he's hilarious. And if he gets a couple more wins on the bout, he's the sort of guy that the UFC would be more than happy to put into a heavyweight title fight. Yeah, I mean, he could get there eventually. Does he really care? I don't know. I mean, no. do I want to see him fight a guy like Curtis Blaze who's going to lay all over him? I mean, probably not. Yeah. And I don't think that's, you know, where Ty's niche is. You know, he, just given guys who know are going to stand up and bang with him, and then we can see him get on top of the cage and do showies, which is, I don't know if he's done that. Has he done the cage top showy before? No, It was man. like very that, strong that was Stone, Steve, Cold, Stone Cold vibes, bro. Yeah. They need someone to start throwing the cans from the other thing, and he can catch him at the top and, and, and sort of clash the two together maybe, and, and make it legit. Maybe they could do a walkout where Stone Cold yeah. walks out with them and he's throwing did you the see cans. Him, did you see him do the waterfall shoey on the way out? Yeah, that was um, that was an epic moment. Hot sauce, chili, hot sauce shoey? Yeah, what a, what a douchebag that, that guy was what putting hot sauce in his beer. I know I know that, that Ty wasn't too happy about that, talking about it in the post-fight interview. Okay, I mentioned that there was another star to, to a star-making performance mm. and it came actually in, in, a in, loss. in defeat. And that is uh, your boy Chris Martino, the the green headed zombie who was called in on ten days' notice. No easy task against arguably the most dynamic striker in the UFC. Uh, maybe it's not even arguably. Sean O'Malley, I think, set a record in the UFC for significant strikes landed in a three round fight um, in that fight against Martino, uh, and and looked fantastic moving backwards for the entire fight. But Martino's made a star of himself out of that fight. A lot of people were booing the 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 um. Some people called it an early stoppage. I mean, like, at the end of the day, all Herb Dean did was stop Matinho from taking at least another 20 shots to the face Mm. over the course of the last minute of that fight. I know that Cormier and Rogan both said, look, the guy deserved to go to a decision, but... You could have, Mally could have, O'Malley could have separated from his him from his senses at the end of that fight, and I think Herb made an educated decision that the time was right to step in and stop the fight. Yeah, yeah, I can see the arguments both ways. You know, I don't, you know, I think Herb did what was right at the time. You know, the, you know, he was in some quite a few similar situations during that fight where perhaps do, Herb could have jumped in. Mm-hmm. Why he left it till there's thirty seconds on the fight, left in the fight to do it. You know, you can see how he feels a bit hard done by there, especially after his effort. But I mean, that was all win for Matinho. Just the Portuguese walking dead. I was fearful for his life after the first two rounds. He was getting <laughs> Me too, bro. He was getting pieced up apart by O'Malley, who was, you know, in, in his little dedicated to the Phoenix Sun star, was crossing over between the legs and between throwing audacious spinning kicks and jabs, which you know, ninety percent of them were, were landing. I mean, he, he had an argument there for a ten-seven round in the first one. Yeah, I think not, the stats were sort of eighty-five percent of his strikes landing. He's so pleasing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. He's, but hey, Moutinho, yeah. to his credit, he he was able to withstand it for another two rounds. So yeah. I don't know how he did it. He did it. Um, he didn't get his hand raised, but man, he won He's a whole lot of fans. A contract for People sure. are going to be ju- tuning in to see this guy. Um, Sh- Sugar Sean, yeah, that, I mean, it's a banana peel fight. Whenever you fight a guy like that who's on short notice, who everyone was kind of 
you know, everyone across the division really was sort of wondering why this guy was being elevated to such a stage. But, uh, I mean, he did what he had to. We still saw everything we liked from Sugar, Sugar Sean. And, I mean, it's tough backpedaling for an entire fight like that. Um, but Moutinho, I think he's almost a real winner on the day. And um, O'Malley proceeded to call out the entire bantamweight division at the end of that fight as well. So, uh, look, and there's another guy that the UFC is slowly making a superstar out of. I know he had the uh, the handbrake to his career with the Marlon Vera loss, and the way that he handled that wasn't particularly uh, nice, great, however you want to say it. Didn't handle it like a champ, but uh, he certainly uh, he certainly with two straight wins now, getting back and you know beat Thomas Almeida tough out there, and and now beating a tough dude in Chris Martinez. I wasn't mad at the. Um Cody Garbrandt, little call out. It looks like Cody's focused on flyweight exactly, and yeah. potentially flyweight. Fight, fighting Brandon Moreno. So uh, that that's an interesting fight. Oh, Cody uh, shut out his last fight, fight against Rob Font. What was that? You think he'd go straight to a Moreno fight? That's the talk on the street, footy, wow. is that that's what the UFC might be doing given that there's a lack of a genuine number one contender. Askar Askarov's got a fight book coming mm. up. He was the guy that Kai was Kai France doesn't have a fight book. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I had seen Joseph Benavidez's name thrown around for Kai Kara France by one Christopher Reeve, so maybe that might be happening um, in, in the near future, um, which Ooh. is which is super that's interesting. A, that's um, a nice that's a great name for his for resume, Kai. too. 100%. Uh, all right. Um, and also on that card a great fight between Nico Pais and Mikael Pajeda it's exactly what we thought we were going to get two crazy dudes um if you haven't seen midway through the first round maybe the second there was a backflip uh, into into full mount by Mikael Pajeda it was it was awesome great that's fight. an exciting guy to watch uh awesome fight um before we get to Joseph Parker footy uh shout out to Ilya Topilia the Georgian yeah, yeah defeating Ryan Hall the submission whiz um to yeah, I don't like video. seeing Ryan Hall take else because you know he's a great. Seems dude. like a great guy, great guy, uh, and, amazing and jujitsu. And I, I, I love that nonchalant way that he goes about fighting when he's standing against the guy who's <laughs> murdered his first ten opponents um, in MMA. I think he's got like nine knockouts and mm. ten fights. Um, but yeah, Taputa looks the goods, man. I like that guy. Um, there's there's much better things on the horizon for him at featherweight. Um, he could he could do some damage, I believe. Love the the Georgians are making a little push here. Mm. Don't sleep on the Georgians. Yeah, absolutely. Spanish Georgian, right? I think he's born in Is Spain, he? but grow, grew, oh, born in Georgia, grew up in Spain. He rips Georgia. He, he, had, the, he had the double the, flag. The, he had the, the double flag. Oh, going okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, who's the, the other Georgian? Is Chigadze, right? Chigadze, yeah, yeah, love yeah. that guy. That guy's awesome. Um, okay, this week Misha Tate makes a return to the octagon. She's taking on um, Marion Renault and her return to the cage on the card headlined by Islam Makachev and Tiago Moises. Um, Makachev, for me, um, is a man who will be in Dustin Poirier's future before we know it. Um, I'm giving a lot of disrespect here to Charles Oliveira. So, Charles, if you're listening, I apologize. I just believe that Dustin Poirier will be the UFC lightweight champion by the time Islam Makachev becomes the number one contender. Uh, but, yeah, um, that, that it's an interesting test for Makachev. No one in the top 10 wants to fight him. So he's fighting a veteran in Moises who's, who's got a um, bit of a win streak going at the moment. Um, but we saw what Makachev did to Drew Dober, who's a hell of a fighter last time out. Um, this is again is another part of that um, uh, sort of uh, maturing process for um, a UFC contender and Islam Makachev. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, yeah, I spoke earlier about you didn't see anyone on the horizon ready to challenge Dustin. I, I, I do think Dustin does it pretty handily against Oliveira, but uh, man, I think Makachev might be that guy. He's mm. the, he's going to be the next guy to come through and really stamp his mark on the division if he hasn't already. Um, man, yeah, well, f- full credit to Moise for taking this fight. Yes. Um. It's a tough one, man. I mean, this guy, I I actually cannot wait to see him in action again. He excites me. I want another kind of Khabib type, you know. Clone. Semi um, sort of unhinged Russian um, who will just grind. He's got some sneaky good striking too. Yeah. Some sneaky good striking. Arguably 
Pat, bit, of, bit of bit of chops on the feet that yeah. Khabib had, which yeah. is you know, I mean, it's not saying a huge amount, but I mean, Khabib became pretty competent later in his career, mm. um, at, 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 in the later stages. But man, I'm looking forward to seeing Makashev, and I think the hype is real with that guy. I, 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 I do too. I think the hype is real. It's, it's just he's got that dominant style that is that, that in those lower weight classes can really pay dividends. Um, and excited to see Misha Tate back in the cage. Uh, there's a potential marquee matchup with her and Holly Holm. We need to run that fight back um, down the line. Um, so if she gets past Marion Renault, don't be surprised if Holly Holm and Misha Tate do business again um, down the line. Um, and also a rematch that I'm really looking forward to that is in the pipeline, I mentioned him earlier in the show, is Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz. Uh, one of the most underrated fights in the history of the UFC was their first fight. Um Way back at like UFC forty something, fifty something. I don't know what it was. Jeez, was it that it's, early? it's when it's when uh, Nick Robbie Lawler was sort of making this run through um, the welterweight division at the time. Nick Diaz was in his second or third UFC fight and knocked out the knockout king that was Robbie Lawler. I think it was the first or second loss on Robbie Lawler's um, record. So um, I do see the UFC are working towards that. It'd be great to see Nick Diaz back in the ring, and it's a fight that makes total sense. Two really popular guys. Uh, Robbie Lawler, it seems, hasn't been in the ring for years, um, so it'd be great to see those two back. Yeah, in yeah it kind of matches up pretty well then, doesn't it, with the fact that both of them have been in, so inactive. Mm. I mean, Diaz, obviously, on another level of inactivity. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated to see... Just what sort of level he's at. And according back. to Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, the greatest fighter of all time. <laughs> it's cool. Calls on the go. You got to have your bros back yeah. like that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, another cult hero. We talk about cult heroes. I mean, Nick Diaz. I mean, gosh. Nick yeah. Diaz was Nate Diaz before Nate exactly. Diaz. Exactly. Yeah. Diaz. They are. They are kind of clones. They may as well be twins. Yeah. Um, and they bring the exact same type of appeal to their fans. And man. Um, one, one thing's for certain, I think he'll he'll definitely be conditioned. We all know that Nick Diaz is always going to be in great condition. Mm-hmm. He's he's probably out there doing triathlons as we speak. He's actually been looking pretty pretty shredded after some you know some questionable months um, gallivanting around Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. Not sure exactly what he's been up to. Uh, very nocturnal, let's just say. Um, but hey, excited for that one, man. Absolutely. Love the Diaz brothers. I mean, they're, they're the not? best brother tandem in the UFC and mixed martial arts even. Uh, okay, um, Joseph Parker caught up with him uh, last week. Um, before the COVID stuff came out uh, and then um, Tyson Fury got COVID-19 and uh, there are reports out of ESPN that several members of his team got COVID-19 and then ESPN's Dan Raphael dropped the tweets. Mm. It was a bit, of a, tr- a bit of a Dan Raphael bomb actually that Joseph Parker um, was part of that Tyson Fury team that had COVID. Um, I actually... Um, got in contact with Joe and said, is everything okay? And he said, yep, health, healthy and well, the family is safe. And assumed that that meant that he was COVID-free and then obviously the Dan Raphael stuff dropped. Um, and then got in contact with Joe again yesterday or mon- on Monday uh, and he confirmed to me that he was COVID-free after I saw him at the fights um, on his Instagram page. Um, and uh, I, I got to... Um, I got to put my hand up here on behalf of the media and, and apologize. And it's something that I think that we are guilty of from time to time. And that's either reading too much or not enough into comments from our sources. And, you know, um, when I contacted Joe, uh, last week, I said to him, are you, how, uh, how are you? Are you, are you okay? And he says, um, the, me and the family are healthy and safe. Mm. And I assume that meant he was COVID free. Um, so we, as you, know, you would, as, as I would. Um, but one thing that Joe, uh, sort of called me out on and rightly so was that, you know, the direct question was never asked, do you have coronavirus? Mm. And he said he got contacted by multiple journalists over the course of those two days. And he Who was never ne- actually, he was never that. asked the direct question wow. of, do you have coronavirus? It was, <laughs> are you okay? 
you know, yeah. how's the family? Is the health okay? And he and he kept answering the question the same. So I think, you know, like I'll put my hand up and say, you know, like as, as journalists, sometimes we need to be a little bit more specific with the questions that we ask. And that's a fair point. I know that sports stars get really frustrated at times that journalists kind of twinkle toe around questions. And sometimes, as Joe said to me today, um, it's just better just to flat out ask the question, do you have coronavirus? Mm. And the answer would have been no. So he's been tested uh, once during the week last week and then once again on Saturday before he went to the fights and is negative. So I'm um, good to know that COVID is uh, not currently infecting itself into Joseph Parker. Yeah. Hey, don't be too hard on yourself there, Brad. No. Good work getting that little scoop today, by the uh, 100%. way. 100%. And Joe is just such a nice guy. Really is one of the nicest people I've ever dealt with. Um, there is no ego in that man. Zero ego. And this Some is a would guy say who's, too nice, Brad. Yeah, too nice. Yeah, let's not get started on that. But this is a former heavyweight champion, has zero ego. Like just, you know, if a jabroni journalist like myself can have a conversation with him, you know, like, and, and to the fact where, you know, like I can have a back and forth, it just goes to show that the man just, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he just, he just doesn't care about all of the um, sort of bullcrap stuff going I mean, on in the world. He's a difficult man to dislike. I mean, show me a guy who dislikes Joseph Parker. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he's up. and he's got a he's got a career on Instagram once once his boxing career comes uh, is over, right? In oh, terms the of little musical videos. The, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Who knows? Watch the space with yeah. Joseph Parker. All right, that is take two done and dusted. Very excited <laughs> to get that out of the way. After well, let me the... covered all of them off. We did. Oh, one little thing about Conor I wanted to ask you, Brad. Yes. Okay. Do it. A fourth Poirier fight. Right. If you're Dustin. Is that what you sit around and wait for? Do you no. wait for another payday? No, 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 no. Does this timeline that, work? The, the UFC will make that fight happen. Dana White said it. It's going to happen. Now, the timeline doesn't work. Dustin Poirier is unscathed. He needs to go home and heal mentally from what's been a pretty stressful couple of weeks for him. Um, spend time with the family. Um, do a bit of stuff with his charity. But Charles Oliveira looked pretty ready for me to, to go yeah. to me. I think Charles Oliveira wants to get that fight done pretty quickly. That fight will happen this year. Um, and then you can kind of see what happens. I, I think he fights at least two more times before he fights Conor again. You know, win or lose against Charles Oliveira, he probably fights again. Conor McGregor's going to take at least six months before he's even training again. Mm. So you're probably looking at nine months to a year mm. before you can he can get back into the ring. I think Anderson Silva was 18 months from the time he broke his leg against Weidman until he fought Michael Bisping, I think, when he came back from from the broken leg. So I think you're looking at at um, at least a year. Connor is a pretty special athlete, so and he's got a great mind, um, and he, he's he's strong willed. And apparently, Chris Weidman is already blowing doctors' predictions out of the water. He's driving his car for God's sake, yeah. and we're we're less than two months removed from one of the most horrific injuries in the history of sport. Uh, so let's just see how it plays out. They, um, they, yeah. they will fight again unless. Something ridiculous happens. I think Connor fights Nate Diaz in his next fight, wins that fight, and then the UFC will do whatever they want yeah. with him. I, thought, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, how if Poirier chose to sort of take that time off and wait for, for Connor to be ready, obviously, yeah, as you say, Connor's got a long way to come back, not only physically, but mentally. You know, especially with an injury like that, obviously, it's a really kick heavy offense. Mm -hmm. You've got to get that confidence back in your foot as well. It could be a long time, but maybe. Dustin decides to sit on the sidelines, watch um, Gaethje versus Chandler, which is reportedly in the works, yeah. play out. Oliveira fights the winner of that and potentially other that. things come around. I, yeah. I, I just think that... that, that I'm kind U of playing devil's advocate here I, 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 I totally get it. I just think the UFC will push this fight to happen this year, get some, um, some clarity around the division and just establish who the true yeah. champion is because we know that if Dustin Poirier did not want to... Uh, fight the Connor fight, he would have fought Oliveira for the title anyway. And 
Chandler probably will have fought mm. Conor McGregor. Hey, so, kudos to Poirier for, um, in the first instance for actually taking, um, having the wherewithal to sit down, to you know take the rest and, and wait for Conor to be ready again. That's massively a- paid off for him. It absolutely has. His star is shining as bright as anyone's in the UFC so right as now. As his bank account. It's fantastic. And his bank account is lit. Mm. Um, and you know he's got a potential UFC lightweight title in the horizon. And then I think he fights the winner of Gaethje and Chandler, which is the fight that I think they're going to make. Um, there's other contenders there like the Makachevs, who arguably you say you get past this fight with Tiago Moises, he really only needs to beat one of those top five and, mm. and you can push him towards a title fight. Um, there are fights there for, for Dustin that don't involve, involve Connor. Um, you know, knowing the UFC like I do um, through my fandom over the course of the years, especially when it comes to guys like Connor McGregor. Um, you know, and I know Anderson was on a three-fight losing streak at one point, and he fought Israel, and the winner of that fight was getting a title fight because it was Anderson Silva, right? So, mm. you know, you were there, cage side, and, and that that was the edict that if Anderson Silva had beaten Israel Adesanya, he was getting a title fight in his next fight. Um, so, you know, legends have different rules than other contenders. So for Connor, it's come back, beat Nate Diaz, which is the fight that makes the most sense, and then he can basically call a shot at that point where it's, um, yeah, I want to fight. Poirier or Oliveira or whatever for the title yeah. so um, that that's how it will play out um, is it fair? No does Conor McGregor deserve a lightweight title fight if he beats Nate Diaz? No but it's the way that sport works absolutely and it's the way that USC works it's, it's a lot of recency bias that's it's kind of how we've come to accept it but I mean it has to be Diaz I mean I think it really does have to be Diaz and, and it's the most winnable Con- fight for Conor as exactly, well exactly because Conor needs his hand raised the USC yeah. and Conor need to see his hand being raised against the big name yeah like like Masvidal would be dumb, Usman would be dumb. Like uh, those, you know, Gaethje oh. would be suicidal. And that's not saying that it's going to necessarily happen against Diaz because yeah. that's another tough customer there. Hundred percent, but it's it the most a, winnable fight of all those fights because yeah. Nate Diaz doesn't possess that one punch, dead scary knockout power that seems to, you know, that if Connor is comfortable on his feet. And Nate Diaz is not a take. He does. He's got tremendous jujitsu. He's not interested on in being on the When have you ever seen that dude <laughs> shoot for a takedown, man? So it's, that's a fight that bizarre, plays into it? Connor's hands, and the fight that he should win. He was winning the first fight. He dominated three and a half rounds of the second fight. He should beat Nate Diaz, like uh, mm. over the course of a five round fight. Nate Diaz has never checked a leg kick in his life. So you know, like it's it's yeah. it's a fighter's dream. So um, that that's the fight to make for me. Yep, absolutely, man. I'm, I mean, I'm. St- what does Connor look like when he comes back from this? So this yeah, is I'm the little, thing, man. Anderson Silva was a changed man. Like, it's, a lot, his, it's a lot mentally and physically, uh, yeah. especially those, those foot. And this is why. Maybe feet. the next time we see Conor McGregor in a ring, it's against someone with a Paul as their surname. Yeah. You know? like that. Wow. And, and I saw Jake now, Paul. Now, that would be a fall from grace. Fighting Jake Paul? <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be a fall from grace with Jake Paul because he gets smashed. Um, but he's going to get smashed by Tyrone Woodley anyway. So, you know. Or yeah. Logan Paul. I don't know. I don't even care anymore. Both those two... Two guys. I mean, bags. people have been questioning Connor's appetite for, for actual genuine title contending type fights for a while now because he is, you know, borderline billionaire and yeah. he doesn't really need to fight. But he does seem to still have that competitive fire. Go to WWE. But you know, I don't know. You know, like, the way he's the way he's acted in the face of adversity in recent fights. You know, I don't know. You have to question it. Interesting. I, I can see him interesting that Ronda Diaz. Rousey came out and and gave him some kudos for promoting his fight, like literally three minutes after breaking his leg, and she said, "I would never have had." the mental strength to to have been able to, to talk after a loss like that. Yeah. We know that Ronda's dealt with her own personal demons before, but, you know, she's been quite absent. I mean, they um, had to do that interview. 
I yeah. mean, everyone wanted to hear from Connor. I'm sure. I don't know Connor if they did, had too many. Connor broke, wanted to speak 100. percent He wanted go, to have his chance to fire back. They didn't at go and interview Chris Weidman after he broke his leg. <laughs> he was already on the way out. Uh, it's just that, and th- th- that says a little bit about Connor as well. He's sitting there with a broken tibia and fibia for f's sake, and he's cutting a freaking promo on the microphone. Probably in not more, his best promo. Probably in it was more, more just a string than of any expert, of us have ever, Yeah, it's more but, of a string of experts. And that's that's and that's the problem that I have with it is mm. that it's like the Daniel Cormier interview after he just lost to John Jones. I was devastated. And mm. watching that broke him. And then and then John Jones gifts about it for the next three years of his life like a schoolyard bully that John Jones is. He's a bully. It's He's rough. a dickhead. I'm sure that Conor wanted to write a reply there yeah. after what Dustin had said. Like he, he, wanted to get, he wanted to unleash what he had to unleash and sort of offload a little bit, get it off his chest, what have you. Claim that he was winning the fight, piecing him up on the feet or whatever he said, which is kind of laughable. But yeah. hey... Connor's going to Connor. I was boxing the socks off him or yeah. something. He said, yeah. Um, all right, that's us done and dusted. It's easy for me to talk, eh? That's us done and dusted for another week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, www.newshub.co.nz forward slash or slash uh, podcast. Click on the Fight Club link. You can also check us out on iTunes or wherever you find your apps. Footy, thank you very much. Thank you. Take it, two. Did it yeah, deliver? Take two was good. It was all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was fine. I think it was on a level. Yeah. yeah that's next, all you can ask for. <laughs> that's all you can ask for. Until next time, that is us here on the Fight Club podcast. Kakite. You've been listening to the Fight Club podcast. Like and subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more, check us out at newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.